Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, let's uh, open in prayer and then we'll get into chapter 2. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you have given us wisdom, Father. And that fearing you is the beginning of all knowledge, Father. I thank you and I pray that you would keep us from playing the part of the fool. Father, we want to hear your instruction. We want to know, Father, the things that are there for us. I pray, Father, that you would take us this week, this day, bring us to a new place in our life and elevate our walk, Father, so that we can be stronger for the battles that are in front of us. Father, we need to be equipped, Father. We need to be strengthened. We need to have direction in our life. Father, you're an awesome God that gives, and we're just asking that you would bless this time, bless our minds and our hearts to be steadfast upon you, and that you, Father, would uh, just be here today in abundance. We thank you and we praise you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we kicked off uh, Proverbs chapter 1, we kind of gave a long history, if you would, of some of the things that made up Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And we were talking and hopefully trying to explain that Solomon wasn't just the wisest man in the world because he built or he accomplished any one great thing. His wisdom was that he took over in his father's footsteps. He recognized that he had a huge task just to fill his father's shoes and that there was a huge level of expectations placed upon him. You and I have a lot of expectations that can be put upon us uh, where people will think more of us than we are. Sometimes that's by our own mistake where we want to puff ourselves up so that people would think more of us than we are. But there is a a time when the rubber hits the road and when we become scared, we become fearful of the task that's in front of us. And those are the times that you want to reach out, seek, grab hold of something and say, Lord, I need you now. I need you here in my life. And, and today's message and the message of Solomon's life is that God does come through. God does provide abundantly for you and I. And so it's almost as if Solomon at the end of his life He's speaking to us as he says in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, my son. He says, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, so that in you incline your ears to wisdom. So he's asking us, he's saying, if, and he's putting it forward uh, to us to say, if this is what you do, giving you a proposition here to say, that if you do the things that are here, he's, he's, he's reaching out to us and he's saying, listen to what I'm saying. If you're smart enough to hear these things, and we talked about how this kind of echoes into his father telling him, David, almost entrusting to Solomon all of David's whole empire, a king passing down the wisdom to the soon-to-be king. And if you could, he's saying, if you receive my words, if you accept the things that is being said by Solomon, and you treasure to, to hold something to put value upon it 
my commandments. The things that he says are right and wrong. So that you'd incline your ear to wisdom. So that you're going to be bent towards, you're inclining, you're leaning towards wisdom. The idea that we would be saying, I need to appreciate, look for, and treasure something other than my own foolish mind and my own foolish heart. He says, to apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then. So those are the things that we need to be doing as Christians. I, I kind of look at that and say, we have to receive God's word. And, and what we're doing in Solomon saying is, I'm giving you something and I need you to receive it. Think of the football receiver, somebody catching something, receiving something. But notice, if you would, there's a play there that says, you just don't just take whatever's given to you, if you would, that, that if, if there's a, a value and appreciation for wisdom, you would be doing these things. You'd be inclining, you would be applying, you would be uh, crying out for, you would be lifting up your voice for, and you would be seeking, if you would, and searching. And, and, and what he's saying is, is there's an aggressive effort to find wisdom. You, you have to... Get it. You have to look for it. It's a hidden thing. It's something in life that so many people can be blind to, and yet you and I have to sometimes scratch our heads and look for it. I'm always constantly amazed at how many people, they just expect everything to fall in their lap. And there is a message of grace, God's grace, where God does give. But there's also the obligation on our, our part, and Solomon is saying to incline, to bend towards your ear to look for the wisdom, to apply, to take something, and to make it yours, to cry out for something. I need it, I need it. To lift up your voice. Ask, speak. I'm always amazed that people have such burdens, such huge burdens, and, and they never can say, I need prayer. They never want to admit that they're having a problem. There has to be within inside of us sometimes the ability to say, look, I'm having the worst week of my life. Can you guys lay hands on me today? I need to sit down and, 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 and I need you guys just to pray with me. And, I, and that's hard for me as the pastor sometimes. It's hard for anyone to be able to sit down and say, I'm just getting hammered. There's no crime in being attacked. Uh, it's how you handle it. And, and, and I'm always amazed to see people going through the crisis of the century. And they're not asking. They're not, they're not crying out. They're not lifting up their voice. They're not, they, I just want to keep it hidden. There's a powerful tool just in having other people know what's going on. Just for the common sense of, hey, there could be somebody in church that has an extra hundred bucks and would like to help somebody out, and if you're a hundred dollars short on your rent and you ask for prayer, sometimes the people might give you the hundred dollars. <laughs> sometimes it works that way, you know? And someone goes, wow, I, I felt Lord, and now I know. And, and how's people going to know? There's, 
I guess there's a lot of honor and integrity sometimes uh, of just keeping everything between the Lord, but, but we have to lift up our voice. You have to speak and express certain things. You have to be looking for wisdom. Ask the right questions when you're looking for wisdom. I took uh, little Timmy down to uh, this uh, Renaissance festival medieval thing at the library. I guess there's a, a group of people that really get into the whole Renaissance stuff. And they meet every Tuesday, and it, I guess it was like a board meeting for what it was. And these guys are just... I don't, they're, they're geeks out there in, in, in geek world, you know what I mean? And, and for Timmy, who's 11, he just is consumed with swords and knives. And, and, uh, and I kind of was sitting in this room saying, well, maybe there's evangelism here. I don't know. I, I could be the friar in the situation. <laughs> I don't know. Trying to think of what I'm doing, and really I'm thinking about how I can get out of this you know, room and say, Timmy, let's get out of here. But Timmy was just captivated by it, and he loved it. And, uh, and I, you know, sat through this whole thing. We went through this meeting. I talked to a couple people. And then, there's some, then they break out into a couple different little groups, and there's one guy talking about his arrows that he made. And they try to do everything, you know, according to 600 to 1,500 is the year that they're in. And, and everything has to be made the way that they would make it back then, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and so this guy's got his arrows out, and he's showing everybody his arrows. And it breaks up into a couple things. And this one guy's out there, you know, just making, uh, uh, you know, chain mail, coat of mail type stuff where they got all the, the, you know, links of, you know, armor, you know, that they would make. And, uh, and this guy's got this thing that weighs 40 pounds. It just puts on your head, and it's just, it's a real piece of, you know, mail. It's a mail jacket, you know, if you would. And, uh, and this guy's just... If you think about what he's doing, he must have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours putting this thing together. But this guy obviously just loved talking about it. And it was amazing just to see little Timmy come up. And he started, for me, he always bugs me. He's asking me so many questions. I'm like, shut up, you know. Timmy just unloads these questions on this guy. Well, where'd you get the wire? How do they make the wire? What kind of metals are there? How did you do this? What do you cut it with? How do you do this? And Timmy, every single time he was asking a question, just lit up this guy's life. And he just goes on and on for another 20 minutes. And then Timmy just asks him another very intelligent question after intelligent question. I was very impressed with my boy. And you go, and you go sometimes it's, it is. It's with us, with God. And God's looking at us. And he goes, you're just sitting there as a bump on. Why don't you ask me a question? And I, I wonder if he's saying, do you, does this bother you? How about if I throw this weird scenario? And I think he looks at all of us and he just goes, we just sit there. And, and if you're a teacher, if you know something, you love it when people ask. And I think God is saying the same thing. Wisdom is something God wants to give us. But he, he sometimes he's like, ask. Ask the right questions. And there's nothing better sometimes than to grow and hopefully all of us are growing people. Stagnation is death, you know, and backsliding is just, you know, misery. And we as Christians should be pushing forward. 
And if we're pushing forward, then that means we're asking questions. And we say, well, I want to know about everything. If you're building a wall, I want to, I want to know, well, how does that wall come together? Why did you do that? What kind of nails are you using? Where did those nails come from? And, and if people know those things, you can be, well, for me as a pastor, it becomes all sermon fodder for me. I can, you know, use every piece of information. And I'm always trying to gain information in my life. But all of us should be doing that as a Christian. That's healthy to ask questions, to get answers, so that you can know more, so that you can share more, so that you can become wiser in the things that are happening. And, and Solomon is saying, hey, receive my words, you treasure my commandments within you, so that you'd incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her for hidden treasures, well, then you're well rewarded. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So look at that. He's saying you're going to have an understanding of the fear of the Lord. You're going to see that there's bigger things out there. The fear of God, people go, oh, I'm afraid of God. We're going to say that many times through this. It's not just being afraid of God, but it's, understanding that there's so much more in the universe out there besides us. And you're going to find the knowledge of God. Knowledge is the facts and the understanding, and you're going to accumulate the, the details. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And I always like to make this distinction, if, forgive me if you've heard it from me too many times before, but knowledge is the fact that you can look at something and say, that is a skunk. Wisdom is the thing that says, I need to get away from it. <laughs> and, and, and what he's saying is that you can find knowledge of God. And I like that. There are, there's the ability to know about God. But God also wants to give you wisdom, the common sense, the process, the facts, to make the right conclusion. And he's saying, he says, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice. So if you're willing to find this treasure chest of wisdom and, and inclining your ear and asking the right questions, look at the promises. You're going to find facts. You're going to have wisdom. You're going to be guarded, if you would, protected. You're going to preserve the way of the saints. And I like that. God's going to take care of you. You're going to become favored in his eyes, in a sense. God, what about this? God, what about that? God, I want to know so many things. And as we start to look at it, God's going to say, that's my boy. I'm proud of it. Hey, he's, he's trying, and I want to put an extra blessing on the guy to take care of him. And, and, and God rewards those. There's a, a, a reward there of being preserved. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice. So justice is the sense of fair play. It's the sense of being honest with certain things. And so if you would, as you pursue the wisdom of God, you're going to be filled with a protection, but there's going to come an understanding of righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When, when, when you are in the world without Christ in your life, without God, you are lost. 
That's the way the Christians describe it. You're lost. You have no direction. You're aimless. We were talking about this on Sunday. And what happens when you come to Christ, your life becomes centered. It comes to a place where things start to make sense. And God will give and provide, if you would, an understanding of justice, righteousness, and good things. There comes the light turning on. Verse 10, he says, When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, he says, discretion will preserve you. And I like that. Discretion then is knowing when and how much to push something. When and how much to pry into something. There are times when your questions get annoying. <laughs> and you can start to have a sense of discretion. There can be times when people are rude and they overstep their boundaries. We talked about Solomon on how Solomon wanted to know just how he could fill his father's footsteps. His request was to say, Father, you know, teach me, Lord God, teach me how to come in and come out. Help me act as a king and sit in the king's throne. Help me to, to know what and how I should be doing things. And I like this. Solomon's saying you're going to have that light coming on. There's got to be a sense of peace, of understanding, and discretion. He says, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their past to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None go to her return nor do they regain the paths of life. So if you would, there's another thought here, that if we seek wisdom, we hold on to wisdom, we're protected by God, and he says then if we have wisdom in our heart, you're going to see that we're going to be preserved and protected from evil in the things that want to perverse us, take us off course, and shipwreck us. Uh, there are a lot of things in this world that once you start to be tempted, you can start to play with, and then it starts to destroy your heart and your mind so that you become useless. Many Christians shipwreck their faith by pursuing something that takes them off track. Uh, I, I think in Solomon's wisdom, uh, we can argue about the... Uh, semantics of once saved, always saved. Can you lose your salvation? And no matter how we look at it, I don't care what the semantics of an argument is. The truth is that we see many people that walk with the Lord for a season and then they are not. They're not walking with the Lord. They're not producing. They don't go the distance. 
and whether or not, however God sees that, and if somebody had something and lost it, and all that type of argument, it's, it's a worthless argument only for the fact that we see so many people destroyed. Solomon and his wife, uh, life with his wives, probably have seen many things destroyed. David, the father, can be saying to the son, it can destroy you. And you have to hear the wisdom here to say, buddy, there are things out there that there are landmines that you think are innocent, and when you step on them, they're going to blow you to pieces. We see it all the time. People that are blown to pieces and shabbled and, and, and just ripped to, to rabble and, and shabs. What am I saying? I'm trying to say something like rabble. There you go. And you go, and you go look at how that destruction... And now notice, if you would, he says that there is a, a people that want to pervert, perverse, and, and a perversion is taking something right and making it crooked. They're, they're perverting something good, and they're making it into something wicked. And obviously you're seeing the seductress, that woman who can take the love of a man and a woman, which should be good, and can pervert it into something wicked and evil and wrong. And so if you would, you're watching where there's a, a, a something that can tempt you. Obviously, this woman doesn't have a, a, a good track record. She's uh, already forsaken the companion of her youth. And she's forgetting the covenant of her God. She's thrown God out the window. And Solomon is saying, he says, for her house leads to death. You want to play with that? It's going to kill you. You want to be tempted by that and think, ooh, she's so pretty, and if I just had her for the night, I'd be so happy. And that thinking, that process that blinds you from saying, God said that's wrong. I know it's not right for me. But every single one of us can be looking at something that's going to tempt us to lead us off path. You think of Pilgrim's Progress, you know, the guy that's a little hiker hiking up the path trying to get to the celestial city up there and you think of all the things that take them off the path and, and we are we're like a hiker going up and and it's like if you start looking at the flowers and start walking and straying from the places you're supposed to go you're going to wind up lost and and and, and so many people go back to the lost state that they came from and solomon is saying he says none who go to her return you hear that Here's a, a wise man saying, you touch that, you're gone. You're toast. Now, why do we always think, well, I can recover. I can get back. I know that the Lord's got to forgive me. I just know that I've got to go in and do a few things and make up for this. Well, you're right. God does forgive. And there are many things that we do do wrong that we can correct ourselves from with the act of repentance. And please... I understand that completely. But I want us to hear the wisdom of somebody who's saying, we've seen so many people that are destroyed because of these issues. So many, so many other pastors are destroyed by the seductress woman. And, and if, if they fail, then why can't any of us fail? And we should be careful of what happens with us because notice it says, none who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. 
no, no, that word struck me and hit me and scared me. They don't regain the paths of life. I don't know, I guess you can never say that once you make some mistakes, it's never the same ever again. You got sin and sin leaves a scar and, and it may be healed and it may be recovered, but it's a scar. And we feel that we can play with things and, 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 and yet we can't see that it's never going to be the same once we play with sin. It's a costly, deadly thing. And Solomon is saying, he says, be careful. If, if you are doing the things of crying out, lifting your voice, applying your heart, inclining your ear to these things, then you wouldn't be wandering, looking at temptation, and then being seduced and destroyed. It's a process of every single day looking at the things that are in front of you. He says, verse 20, so that you may walk in the way of goodness to keep the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Fact of the matter, he's looking at it and he's saying, you know, I've looked at life and as I'm looking back at life, the best way to live your life is to know that you are seeking the Lord day in and day out. God, God wants us to be growing and advancing. And when we stop and ponder, we look off the path, we're already losing ground. When we play with sin, whether it's the seductress, whether it's the love of money, whether, you know, there's a gazillion things out there. Solomon's going to go through a whole bunch of them here before we're done with this book. And, and you know, what it boils down to is as we look at Christianity, you have to understand, and I, I like to phrase it this way, that Christianity is not for sissies. Somehow or another, Christianity has gotten a bad rap of, of well, and it is for the weak, it is for the poor, it is for the needy, for those that are seeking. But somehow or another, that can't be confused with the fact that Christianity is just the easy way, it's just an escape from something, and we're missing the difficulties of what's being outlined for us as believers. Solomon is telling you, he says, you can hear part of it to say, look, to actually go the distance as a believer, it's hard. You think of a guy training for a race who's going to be an athlete to go to the Olympics. As Paul would say, they train and they train and they train. And it's almost as if you can hear Paul saying the same thing. You've got to train even harder to make it to the real race in life, is to make it your whole life without being deceived and taken off track and destroyed. To walk the Christian life is difficult, is painful, and is hard in the sense, in the sense that you will be challenged constantly. Now, we want it to be easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's saying, if you take these things on, listen, I will sustain you. But don't, under, don't underestimate it that, that there is a, a race that we're running, that he who endures to the end will be saved. That we have to sit down and say, Lord, I need to go the distance. And what I can't do is wimp out, take the easy way, and fall into sin, and then play dumb about it. Somehow or another, we've underestimated 
the enemy, the world, the power of sin, and the destruction that lies in front of us. Well, all of us can see one after another after another Christian fall and be destroyed. And, and we have to turn around and say, well, won't happen to me, won't happen to me, won't, how do we know? I want to be looking, inclining, and I want to be asking, and I want to be seeking, and I want to be growing. I want to know more today than I do, more tomorrow than I do today. I want to be growing and maturing, and I have to be bent towards those things. I have to be reaching out to say, Lord, I need to have something more. But the, the wimpy way out, and I'm sorry, I see a lot of wimpy Christians. They fall into sin, and they say, I have no way to get out of it. I can't help myself when this happens. I'm going through the trial of the century. I guess I just have to go fall into sin. I'm being tempted by the seductress. I just had to. She invited me over. What was I going to say? No and hurt her feelings? Yes, that's right. <laughs> you can slap her if you want. The pastor would still be happy, you know? No, no, no. But I'm just saying that there should be a, a, an effort. There should be... A, a hardcore walk with God that says, Lord, I, I, I want to pursue. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. And I like how Paul puts it. He says, to each one of us in verse 7, Ephesians 4, 7, he says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we know that grace is unmerited, unearned love. It's the free gift of God. God's given us extra favor, if you would, and God's given it to different people according to a measure of Christ's gift. So some people seem to have a lot of it and some people have a little of it, but God sheds it on us. He says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So what he's saying is when Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, when he came down, it's almost like the, the rocket as it's flying up into space. There's a little presence coming down and landing and descending upon you and I. God wants to give you a present, a gift. And as he resurrected from the dead as he is ascending into the, the clouds, if you would. As he led captivity captive, he gave gifts. He's giving you a gift to, to someone like you and me. Now this, this statement that he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So Jesus, as he came down to lower himself as a man, walked amongst us, he also ascended back up. And as he ascended on high, he's going to give us. And it says, verse 11, that he himself uh, gave some of us to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So he's given different people different tasks, but he's doing it all for what purpose? To equip. And I like this. God's giving you equipment, right? He's given you a gift, and all of us can receive a gift and, and be strengthened, but that is a piece of equipment, so if you would, think of yourself as a soldier. You're going off into battle. And God made some of them 
tank drivers and some of them could be shooting machine guns and some he gave mortars and some he gave airplanes to bomb the enemy with. He gave different things to fight with. He equipped you. He gave you different things, but it's all for the same purpose, if you would. And, and I like this. As he's equipping us, he's giving us things to do things with for what purpose he for the equipping of the saints for what to kill an enemy no but for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ the church to what till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man so he wants us to grow up into the knowledge of God to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that he wants you and I to be able to understand the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's high. That's almost unattainable. That almost seems like, Lord, how can I know everything about Christ? Isn't, isn't this God infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom? Wow. And we could say, well, that's just too much. I'll never figure that out, so why try? But he's telling you, you've been equipped so that we can come to the fullness of Christ, to the measure of the stature for him as a man. And if we could measure him up, if you would, and say, this is how big Jesus is, we can sit down there and come to that place where we can arrive to a place of understanding that, that we should no longer be children. You're not going to act like a dumb kid all day long that would be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So if we're understanding Christ... We as mature Christians, as we've grown in the knowledge of Christ, we shouldn't be like, you know, tossed to and fro. We shouldn't be, oh, here comes this new teaching that says you can be millionaires if you just ask Jesus to come into your life. Oh, really? That's the sucker bet. But yet, here we can turn around and say, no, I know Jesus. Jesus is love. Jesus cares for me. Jesus has given me wisdom. Jesus has given me knowledge and understanding. And, and yet we should be strong enough not to be some little kid like stealing candy from a child, if you would, that would be tossed to and fro like a child with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. We should be smarter than that. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And people there are, are deceitful, evil people that are cunning in craftiness working their little lies together to trip you up. But all that falls away if we're speaking the truth in love. So when we come to, to see love and the power of God and the power of Christ, all that falls away so that we may grow up, grow up in all things unto him who is the head. Yes, Christ, from whom the whole body joined uh, and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Don't you love that? He's saying that the whole body, you, me, and everyone together, are being knit and working together to build up Christ as we see Christ who's the head, the brain, that sends and receives all the things that are there. He's given us the marching orders. He's given us the understanding that we would act and conduct ourselves and that we can seek after if we're trying to be part of the body of Christ. The hand doesn't come up and bite the other hand. The leg doesn't come up and says, I hate the other leg. You work together in unity. 
unity. You're all working together. You're loving one another. And we as Christians should be fighting, striving to maintain that. And we shouldn't be cheap cop-out, lazy, not caring about whatever else is going on in life. There's a mandate for us to stay on target, to be plugged into the vine, plugged into the head, Jesus Christ, to be able to say, Lord, I want to know more of you. I want to understand what my purpose is. I want to understand what you're speaking to me. I want to understand some of the things that are happening in this world. I want to pursue. I want to incline. I want to, I want to press on. I want to ask intelligent questions. And so many of us, just burying the head there, they're not going to be equipped they're not going to be able to go into a battle to fight. And, and so we need to have, if you would, that sense of protection. God said that we're, he's a shield about us. God wants to give us things. That's all said and done here. But sometimes God doesn't want us just to be sitting down there to be uninvolved with the rest of the world. God sometimes sends us into a problem, sends us into trials and tribulations. He's equipping us for a battle so that we can see the power and the strength of the things that we have in Him so that we can grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of Him. God loves us. And if He loves us, He's not just there to... to, to, to to, to isolate us so we never know, but he always wants to put us into a changing world so that we would ask and grow and be mature. Amen? Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.